The Doctor is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. You have always been a voice of reason through all of this. Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice, and it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me. Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it. I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do. Okay. Well, thanks. That wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. I'm glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. <laughs> you don't have to laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. I remember being skeptical back when I was in graduate school about the birth trauma. The birth trauma was a a stretching theory predicated on the idea that you went from a womb, which was a warm, quiet, safe place, relatively unstimulating in the sense that there wasn't flashing colors and all kind of brightness and sounds and noises and chaos. It was kind of like an interstate trying to emerge in L.A., And you went into this world that just assaulted you with hyper-stimulation. And they speculated that that was traumatic, traumatic for the child. And, And they went further. They didn't stop at that was just traumatic. They they said that it led to some kind of deeply buried psychic trauma that would uh, manifest itself at some point in one's life. And I just poo-pooed that thing up one side and down the other. First of all, there's absolutely no research to that whatsoever. You can't even study it. How do you study that? But then I realized, I realized looking back, there, there could be some legitimacy to that. When I was two years old, my second birthday, I realized that I had just doubled my age in one year. And I thought to myself, if this keeps up, by the time I'm six, I'll be 90. Now, I haven't worked out the math on that, but it sounds good. Nice to have you with me. I am not birth order traumatized. Actually, not birth order traumatized. Birth traumatized. I've got more things to be traumatized about as I've lived these years. Fortunately, not too many of them have done that. I'm delighted to be with you here on The Doctor Is In. It's a program that I ignore the literally dozens and dozens and dozens monthly of promo people, pieces, agents, etc., trying to get guests on this program. There are a lot of good Catholic radio programs that have guests, very, very knowledgeable, very stimulating, insightful, thoughtful guests. My guests are you. It's the way I want it to be. I want to talk to you about 
your circumstances, your situations, your life, the people in your life, your frustrations, those kinds of things. Do what we can, putting our heads together and see if we can take a little bit of the edge off of some of it. Hopefully, my goal on this program is a cascade effect. You offer a thought or two that somebody can use, and then they implement it and things get better rather dramatically, which is what you want. And we also have other reasons for people to call. They call because they want to help out somebody else. Previous caller, we had a couple of those yesterday. They call because they want to lend an insight into their uh, living, their parenting, their thoughts. We had a fascinating fella call yesterday. He was an emergency room physician in China, communist China, for 16 years. And his observations and insights about the sad state, about the empty state of the Chinese people were fascinating. I could have talked to that guy for hours. I got his number, so perhaps down the road we may <clears throat> get him on the TV show. Do you know Moody P? Oh, wait a minute. I didn't give the number, did I? Okay, sorry about that. I just noticed that. 877-57-EQUAL is the number. 877-573-7825 if you would like to get on to the program. Certainly want to hear from you. Are you or do you know people that you would label moody. I'm sure pretty much everybody listening would say, yeah, 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 I know people who are moody. Or I myself am moody, I'll admit it, you might say. Do you ever think about the cause of moodiness? Now, moody means... Basically, for most people, kind of a rise and fall of mood on a relatively short-term basis. I can be down one day, up the next. Now, this is not bipolar. This is just a fluctuating mood. And you wonder, why Why is this? What? What is it that prompts someone to be in a certain state of emotion one day or one hour and not the next. What's happening here? Unfortunately, and this is not what St. Paul did, but this is what we all, all too human people do. We follow the philosophy of if good things happen, I'm happy. If bad things happen, I'm sad. Now, there's some truth to that, but it depends on how you define good things and bad things. It's easy to define good things as small good things and bad things as small bad things. I got a flat tire on the way to work today, and I was late, and I got behind, and so I come home in a bad mood. Now, that's kind of annoying or frustrating maybe, but is it big enough to affect your mood? Better said, you allow it to affect your mood. Or I uh, I went to that new store, opened up, and I saved $37 purchasing stuff that would have cost me a lot more. So I come home pretty jazzed up. Well, it's nice that you saved $37, but it isn't something so good as to affect your mood kind of artificially, really. 
Don't you enjoy being around people that are even keel in their moods? That you don't have to wonder what you're going to get on a day-to-day, hour-to-hour basis? There is one way to really struggle against being moody, and that is quit giving so much weight to the day-to-day stuff that's ups and downs. That's easy enough done, isn't it? Say you get up in the morning and you're tired. You got you got five hours of sleep and, and you're tired. Well, it's one thing to be tired. It's another to be moody. You can be tired. But, oh, my son just walked in. That's That's nice. Oh, hi, Pete. My son, Peter. It's one thing to be tired. It's quite another to let that tiredness affect how you react around other people. That kind of, I'm in a good mood because I got nine hours sleep. I'm in a bad mood because I got five hours sleep. I'm in a good mood because today's going to be an easy day at work. I'm in a bad mood because I anticipate it's not going to be an easy day at work. Moodiness can be dramatically controlled by altering how you label these events. Most of us, fortunately, do not have trauma in our lives on a day-to-day basis. We don't have horrible, tragic things happen to us, and we don't win a million-dollar lottery either. Most of us just have stuff. In the day-to-day flow of existence, we have stuff. And because of that, we allow it to affect our moods. We, We give it the power to elevate our mood or to subdue our mood. Now, that might not be so bad if it's only you, and your mood is pretty much observed by only you because nobody was around when you went down in your mood. But when you're around other people, and in fact, you allow those events to affect your mood, then you become unpleasant. People may enjoy being around you when you're up. That's natural. But they don't know when you're going to be down. So what do they do? Well... In defense, they retreat. If you're unpredictable, then I am more likely to not want to contend with your moods. 877-573-7825, 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program, unless you're in a bad mood and uh, you don't want to call in. This is Dr. Ray. Relax. The doctor is in. Uh, I think I'm going to have to change this channel. I'm sorry. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. I'm continually amazed and humbled at the way God can work through me to help so many people. Although I have no idea what the caller's questions will be that day, I trust that the Holy Spirit can use my education and experience to guide, challenge, or comfort those who call. Mast Appeal with Colleen Kelly Mast. Saturday morning, 9 Eastern on EWTN Radio. And now, the EWTN Family Prayer with Father Joseph. Family, a prayer that we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me, our EWTN Family Prayer. 
Today we pray for the caregivers of the sick. Almost Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we adore you. You have first loved us, and through your Son you have taught us the excellence of self-giving love. Give to those who are caregivers of a sick parent or child, brother or sister, the assistance of your holy angels. Lessen their burdens and give them great joy in practicing a work of mercy. And since charity is never forgotten by you, reveal to them their heavenly reward. Amen. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things you don't believe in? There are options. You can join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based health-sharing community. Plus, Solidarity HealthShare can save you money with prices starting as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-398-9399. That's 844-398-9399. Welcome to Spirit of Stewardship. Jeremy Belsky is your host for real-life stories, encouragement, and ideas to enhance your own gifts of work, wealth, and wisdom in response to God's blessings for you. I'm Jeremy Belsky, and today's topic is Stewardship of the Environment, God's Creation of Nature. When you hear the message, Be a Wise Steward of Your Resources, do you ever consider the role you play in your community environment? It's natural to think of time, talent, and treasure when stewardship is mentioned, but our faith teaches us that all is gift from God. Thus, respect for nature and doing our part to ensure a safe and clean environment is important. Here are just three areas we can pay more attention. A lot of action has been taken in recent years by nonprofits geared towards a cleaner environment. The first area of focus is to eliminate litter. Consider how your actions to pick up after yourself are pleasing to God be proud to do your part to keep your community and neighborhood clean. Secondly, look at ways to recycle and make the most out of your purchases. Does it matter to you that so much plastic consumes our landfills? Have you given thought as to how you can make a particular purchase last longer? Third, in a country filled with abundance, what's being done to ensure our nature and environment for the next generation? This is more than eating bread crust and cleaning off your plate. The root lies in not wasting what we've been given. There's a great deal of time and effort that goes into caring for our place of residence in addition to our possessions. Keeping up what is ours or giving our used possessions to the less fortunate are a couple of ways to be prudent stewards of our blessings from God. I'm Jeremy Belsky, your host for Spirit of Stewardship. To learn how you can better share your talents and resources, contact your local parish priest. Your level of involvement in the church now positively impacts our faith in the future. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. Real nice to have you in this, Dr. Ray Garendi. At 20, we worry about what others think of us. At 40, we don't care what they think of us. And at age 60, we figure out they haven't been thinking about us at all. Thank you for joining me, 877-57-EQUAL. A couple of really, really uh, provocative things up there. Uh, Eric from uh, Boise, Idaho, which uh, I guess there's a movement in their town council to change Boise. Uh, because it's it's gender insensitive. 
uh, probably going to be call it person C or people C or them C. Hi, Eric. How are you? I'm good, Dr. Run- Dr. Grundy. How are you? Uh, nothing gaining on me that I know of. Well, no, uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. So uh, I called you previously and uh, I was talking about my aunt who's very pro-death and all the transgender garbage. And I didn't go to her funeral, and you said I. You were saying I should have, but we got cut off at the end. And I, yeah. I guess I don't understand. I, like my family, some of my family members said the same thing, and I just I'm not clear on why I should go to a, like her church. And everything was just all weird because it was one of those universalism churches. Eric, when do you decide? To avoid somebody's funeral. For example, if it was someone in prison that you know, relative, and as far as you know, they were unrepentant for what they did, would you not go to their funeral? What about someone? Well, so then, so then you have to, first of all, you got to know the internals of people. Many sins are internal. Our Lord talked about that. You know, if you lust, if you lust after a woman in your heart, well, you're lusting after her. But you can't know that, Eric. Or or the percentage of guys who are into pornography out there. You don't know who they are. You can't know. So in other words, what I'm saying is when you made that judgment about your aunt, you said she's flaky, she's got these odd ideas, she's weird. I don't want to I don't want to go to her funeral because it's going to look like I'm approving of her. You were doing no such thing. You were just showing respect for the family and you're saying I'm here to pay my last wishes. And you could even kneel down next to the casket if you're Catholic and say a little prayer for her soul. You could do those things. But when you start separating out who you're going to associate with, either in life or in death, because of that, now you're you're really, you're in an area of, one, how do you know, and two, how do you decide? You know, if, if I didn't associate with a lot of my colleagues and friends and acquaintances who are living very, very immoral lives, my circle would be down to a little dot. So I understand that. And like, one of the biggest, I guess one of my biggest problems with her is she, during, and I wasn't there during this, she, or she didn't do, she did it on purpose. Uh, she told my wife with each, and she told my cousins when they were pregnant, with each one of my kids, she said, pregnancy is really hard, but you have options. And, like, so if, she, if she's always watching, like, and that's the thing, she's a, so she's a fallen away Catholic, but, so she's walking towards X, and she slowly turns, and she's going towards A. <clears throat> Eric, do you hear what you're saying, though, my friend? Do you hear what you're saying? Yeah. You're saying, well, yeah, I shouldn't do that. But in her case, this is what she did. So you're still back to I decide whether it's egregious enough for me to completely dissociate. And if hey, probably about half of the people I know, and I'm not talking about my close circle or family, are are pro-choice. They're pro-abortion. Okay, I know that. So should I not talk to them? Should I not go to their funerals if they die? Should I not listen to them when they talk? I mean, if, if you start making those kinds of judgments and you essentially say, if I go to her funeral, I'm saying 
that what she said and did was okay. You're not saying any such thing. So, like, in this, I don't know, like, I, like so she has a brother and sister, and, like, I called them the moment I found out she had passed. We were out of town at the time. And then when I got back to Boise, um, I stopped and I saw them. And, like, I was trying to, I was, try, I was there for them, and they never uh, needed, I guess, needed to see me or talk to me. And then, uh, and I, and I, I didn't do it to make anybody mad. I was just like, I don't. Eric, I, are I you a Christian? Christian? Eric, are you a Christian? I, I am. And I didn't okay, so then you, like, you don't follow their rules. You follow a different set of rules. Your no, rules, I, okay, your I, rules I, I, are to sure. be decent to them, whether or not they're decent to you. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Okay. So, I, so I you're I, asking I, me, I, wait a minute, okay, I'm going to have to go to other calls here. I, I don't want to carry on too much of an argument. You're asking me my opinion, and I, and I think the church would back me up on this. I think this has been principal teaching of the church. If you had a right to basically say, this aunt thinks very different about life and morality and about faith than I do. So therefore, I'm not gone to her funeral. And you're saying to me, what do I think about that? I think you were wrong to do that. And furthermore, I think you conveyed a real bad image. And the image was, we Christians, we're every bit as prickly and judgmental as you people think we are. Because I just absolutely think you're, you're not living right, so therefore... I'm not going to do anything to show you any kind of respect. That's what I think happened. If I were in your shoes, what I would do, I'd probably go back to those family members and say, you know, I've been rethinking it. I was wrong to do that. I hope you accept my apology. That's what I would do, Eric, for certain. Thanks for the call. This is Dr. Ray, 877-573-7825. Now, Teresa from Eugene, or another male city, another male city. We got Boise and we got Eugene. I guess we're only going to take male cities today. Teresa from Eugene, Oregon says, what about this Halloween stuff? You notice, Dr. Ray, you drive down the street and you see more yards decorated with Halloween stuff than you do Christmas stuff. Now, what is this saying about our culture? Hi, Teresa. Hi. Yes, I know. I'm, when I, I'm an older woman. When I was younger, I mean, it'd be corn stalks or pumpkins or whatever. And now I see two-story werewolves, partial skeletons, uh, skeletons hanging from a tree with a noose nearby on a tree. And I have five grandchildren and ten and under, and they come over and they trick-or-treat in our neighborhood. And it's like, I'm just thinking of all the concern with teenage suicides. And it's like, this is just awful, is the way I think about it. And so I didn't know if you have any suggestions on what I could do as a grandmother to kind of combat this or whatever or how to broach this with you know my son and his family or um, why are they putting this stuff in their yard no but uh, well sometimes some of the stuff they put in their yard I'm concerned about yes and I'm thinking what about you know these kids when they grow up and I don't know and just also Oh, you want good news and bad news, my, my Teresa? It's much worse than what he has in his yard, but anyway. You want good news and bad news? Sure. Sure. The bad news is that is really reflecting a society that is becoming more uh, infatuated and more attracted to the dark. That's that's a given. That's that's the yeah. that's the natural direction of a society who says, "Let us get rid of this god 
who constricts us and we don't we don't like his moral system. All right, that's that's the bad news. Well, here's good news. It's kind of a, it's perverse good news. This is probably the least of the influences on your grandchildren. Your grandchildren, if you're worried about their well-being and the way they're being shaped, there are many more influences upon them other than one month of yucky Halloween decorations. Stay there, Teresa. I want to talk more about this if you would. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. I'm Dr. Ray Grady. With Teresa Tomio. I often have people ask me, aren't you scared when you talk about the issues such as abortion or uh, the, all the different ideologies, especially the gender ideology? I say, I'm scared of what I don't say if I'm not using this platform that God gave me wisely and well. If I'm not sharing information with people, if I'm not sharing the truth of the Catholic faith, I'm going to be held accountable, as is any one of us who has a platform. And we all have a platform. The sizes and the extent are different, but every single person, especially if you have a computer and if you have a Facebook page or a Twitter account, you have a platform. And so we're all responsible to evangelize. And we may be fearful, but we move through that fear with trust that God is with us. He tells us he will give us the words. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio, Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Who belongs to the Catholic Church? According to the Catholic Catechism, all men and women are called to the Catholic unity of the people of God. In different ways they belong or are ordered to belong. The Catholic faithful, other believers in Christ, and all mankind are called by God's grace to salvation. Those who in faith accept all the precepts, sacraments, and all the means of salvation given to the church and possess the Spirit of Christ are fully incorporated into the society of the church. One, however, who does not persevere in charity is not saved. He or she remains in the bosom of the church, in its body, but not in its heart. The church is joined in many ways to other faiths that call themselves Christian, even though they do not profess the Catholic faith in its entirety or have not preserved unity or communion under the successors of Peter. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. You are listening to a least worst of The Doctor is In. We have no best of. You know, it's interesting because, well, let me give you the number out. We're about halfway through the program, and uh, this is typically, calls come in waves. And uh, typically we get to the certain part of the program, people say, you know what, I can call in, I got a chance. And you do, you really do. Everybody has an equal chance. So 877-57-EQUAL is the number. I am talking to Teresa, who has uh, five grandkids under age 10, and she's a little concerned about the macabre. And the stuff that many people put out for Halloween, which is, uh, in in many respects, pretty ugly, pretty dark. Teresa, you still there? Yes, I am. Thank you. I would ask either your son 
or even the kids, the older kids, I would ask, so what do you guys think of all that stuff? What about it? To bother you? Or you just think, oh, yeah, yeah, that's just cute. That's just cute trick-or-treat stuff. That's what it is. Find out Find out if they even pay much attention to it. Uh, find out what they uh, what they think. It scares them. Find find that out. Um, take. I was going to say, for the most part, it seems like they're fascinated by it. Like, oh, look at this! I want to go by this house and see what, what new decorations they have up. And I'm thinking, oh, this is awful. Psychologists talk about something, Teresa, called negativity bias. Negativity bias basically says we are attracted more to the bad than the good. We are attracted more to the wrong than the right. And that's how news that's how news programs make their living. If it bleeds it leads, right? You've heard that. So for your for your grandkids to be fascinated by that stuff, it's kind of like these afternoon talk shows. You know, it appeals to the voyeur in us. We want to we want to see the pathology in these people. So you're right. It is natural, fallen human nature, that they would be more attracted to that than they would to a pumpkin with some corn stalks. Ah, boring, boring. You know, I remember once I had a, a, a an experience. Remember when the movie Jurassic Park came out? Yes. Now, they warned people, too intense, too intense for children. Do you remember that? Yeah, okay. I went there with my my sister-in-law and my wife. We walked into the area lining up for the movie, and there were nothing but little kids all over the place with their parents. There was one scene where the Tyrannosaurus Rex bent down and bit this outhouse that a guy was in. Now, they didn't show you what happened to the guy. They left it up to your imagination. At that point, my wife and my sister-in-law both turned their heads away to not look. Mm -hmm. There was a seven-year-old boy in front of me. You know what he said? Nah. Oh! Cool! Oh, is that cool? Yeah. And and I remember being saddened by that. Uh, I remember thinking, here are these older folks who have a natural aversion to that kind of ugliness. mm -hmm. And the kids are inured to it. You're right. They they just, it becomes part of their world. I guess the way to to counter it, I hope, is if uh, you, 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 as a grandma, read them good stories. You as a grandma, when you take them trick-or-treating, they dress up as a crayon and not as a ghoul. Um, mm-hmm. You influence them as a grandma as best you can. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the culture's not on your side, my dear. It's not. Okay. And I have learned to be at peace with that. You should see the, the ugliness of my world. So I've learned mm-hmm. to be at, at peace. Teresa, okay. thank you thank you so much, dear, for thank the call. Thank you. I appreciate you're, it. You're more than welcome. Thanks. By the way, Teresa reminded me I am going to give you my coaching. Now, I know that the uh, trick-or-treating days are coming up for most of you. They vary. I've been pointed out by my producer man, Andrew Kruchek, that state by state, they differ. 
Some some are Sundays three to five. Some are as soon as it gets dark until you go back in. They, they vary. They vary all over the place. But the commonality to the whole thing is candy greed. All right, I'll admit it. I'll admit it. You should. I should put out on Facebook how much I brought in last year just walking around with my friend's children and learning how to say things like, wow, that's my favorite. And the women always go, oh, is it? Okay, well, here, why don't you take one? Uh, or... Or the folks who just put a bowl of candy out by the end of the driveway. I take one. I, I don't take a handful. I just take one. Those are the easiest. Those are the easiest. But I'll, I'll give you the techniques on how to maximize house-to-house effectiveness. Uh, got, I do have time. Um, let's go to Leonard. Um, you know, that's an interesting question. Hi, Leonard. Yes, sir. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. You know, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that stat. Pardon? I don't know that stat, the divorce rate for second marriages for devout Catholics. I was just interesting because I thought there would be something out there to find it, and I kind of looked around and haven't seen too much. And, uh, you know, kind of somebody right now. I'll tell you the I'm divorce sorry. rate. I'll tell you the divorce rate for what would be considered devout Catholics uh, first time around. With 20%, 10%? Well, actually, it's under 5 and and that is if, if now, where I've heard that statistic is those who practice natural family planning, which would indicate that they probably are in line with almost all Catholic teaching. It's one indicator of that. They probably go to Mass regularly. They probably pray daily. They probably have a certain view of marriage as the ultimate life commitment. So all of those things enter into a divorce rate of probably under 5%. So if you have that divorce rate for first time, and then for whatever the reason of those 5%, they they break up that union, and then they quote-unquote remarry, which the church would say is not a remarriage, but they they connect up in some legal way with another person. Um, it'd be fascinating to know how that would affect their second time around, because if indeed they were in a marriage that was considered faithfully Catholic and they left it, what would that say about how they are now approaching the Catholic faith. On the other hand, maybe it was forced upon them. I've had clients like that, very faithfully Catholic spouses coming in and their spouse is divorcing them. And it isn't anything they ever thought would happen. So that's the question. Yeah, that's a good question. Why, this is something personal to you, right, Leonard? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, my original marriage, you know, it was definitely one-sided uh catholic you know on my side and you know my my ex drifted away and then i just started dating someone very very recently uh she is just as devoted as i am maybe even more so uh goes to mass daily was she married uh, before was she married before she was and she yep she went to the exact same thing you okay know, well she might, levels, she might obviously she might have to look into uh, the possibility of, uh, of an annulment on that. Thank you, Leonard. This is Dr. Ray.
call from God. Father Mitch Pacwa shares his experience. I certainly had a bit of opposition. My father wasn't pleased with this at all, and he kept arguing with me. Once when I was 12, he said to me, what do you want to be a priest for? Why don't you be a doctor? You don't have to be a priest to help people. You can be a doctor and get married, have kids. And I said to him then, Dad, if I was a doctor and I help people get better, that would be very good. But later on, they're going to die anyway. So if I'm a priest and I hear somebody's confession and they go to heaven, that lasts forever. So that's better. And he didn't know what to say. And he continued to oppose the idea over the next years. Yet that didn't stop me. And uh, even when he said, I'm going to disinherit you if you become a priest. And on the day of my first mass, he did. But as I also said to him then, he told me, okay, you're out of my will. I said, Dad, I can't keep it anyway. It doesn't matter. I'm a Jesuit and we can't keep the money. So it really doesn't affect me. The issue is I'm trying to follow what God, our Lord, is asking of me. And this has been where I have found the greatest joy, that doing what I believe through my own prayer and through reflection and thinking about it and moving from a little boy's idea of what a priest would be like all the way to now in my early 50s, you know, realizing that this is exactly what I think is going to please God the most. And that's what I want to do, to please God. For information on the priesthood or religious life, Log on to www.ewtn.com slash religious life. Hi everybody, this is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst of the doctor is in. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. found that the years between 50 and 70 are the hardest. Because you're always asked, you're still asked to do things. Let's go do this, let's go do that. You want to go bike riding, you want to go cliff diving? And I'm not old enough to turn them down. But I'm too old to want to do it. All right, Claire from New Jersey. Well, my, my moody monologue spurred something in her. Hi, Claire. Hi, Dr. Ray. Thanks for taking my call. You sound kind of young. <clears throat> no, really, I'm not. <laughs> wow, you sound like you're 30. No, double that. What? Yeah, you you are so youthful, and I hope that reflects the way you live your life. Thank you. I try. Sound like well, you also sound again. Now I'm just making a generalization on the basis of 12 seconds, but you also sound very zestful and positive. I am. And your husband's not. He really isn't. <laughs> Opposites attract, I suppose. How long have you been married? 32 years. Been this way the whole 32 years? You know, it it got worse and worse and worse. I started knowing his, noticing his moodiness in the winter months, and now that moodiness comes any time of the year. Is it daily? It can last for days, but it's not, I don't think it gets triggered daily, no. It can last for days? Sure, months. 
Yikes. Okay, now yeah. now obviously that someone would raise the question of a diagnosis. Yeah, he he does, you know, have I I guess some depression issues, but he he manages it well. He he was on some medication at one time. He doesn't like to take it. Um he gained a lot of weight from it. Um, he didn't like the way it made him feel. But um, he said he's always felt this way, even as a kid. But he really does manage it well. He, he really does. He's, he's so you're very... basically saying, Claire, he's not necessarily a moody guy. What you're saying is temperamentally, he's kind of a, um, a subdued sort of downer kind of guy. At times, when so, what so puts him? What puts is, him in a good I, I mood? I don't know what. I don't know what triggers it. I really don't know. Everything will be happy, smiley. We're great, and then, oh, I don't know. Maybe we can get into a, an argument, which we really rarely do, um, or I don't know what. And then he he the <clears throat> smiles go away. Um, the conversations go away. So in other words, it's like you said in the beginning of your monologue. When people are moody, you you, you tend to disconnect from them, which I do because I'm not going to harp on him. Why are you moody? I've asked him. He doesn't give me an answer. I don't even think he knows himself. And so I just wait for it to go away. I've waited a day I've waited weeks. I've waited, and I counted, eight months. So life goes on Ooh. hold until Ooh. all of a sudden he snaps out of it. And well, that's, no that's not moody. That either. Claire, that's not no? moody. Eight months is not moody. Uh, eight, eight, eight months is uh, either either his he has a depressive kind of personality, which I can't make that diagnosis from here, either that, or he goes through spells of uh, cyclic kind of depression, and yeah. if he if he can't point it out, if he can't say there's a, there was a trigger, there was a precipitating event, this is what happened, and this is how I interpreted it. If he can't do that, no, he can't. Then it raises the question: Is this some kind of cyclic thing that's happening to him? And and these cycles are getting longer as he gets older. I mean, I'm just throwing out speculations here. I can't yeah, know that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds right. Mm-hmm. Now, it also longer sounds like... And sometimes more more often, sometimes it, it lasts long and sometimes it doesn't. If, and in when fact... He snaps out of it, and when he snaps out of it, I don't even question it. I just, just move on like it's you, the next day. I don't give him a hard time. I just, I'm just thankful that... Now he's now. How long does he stay in good moods? Less often than his down moods. <laughs> okay. Sadly, but does he you know, does he complain about uh, work, about people, about life, about politics, about religion? In other words, does he focus on the negative and that brings him down? I think so, but if. I point that out to him. He he says, "No, I'm not a negative person." But I I see it. Okay. Well, there was something that occurred to me while you were talking. Is mm-hmm. you said uh, when we get into an argument, or if there is some kind of irritant that happens mm-hmm. to him, 
it, it almost sounds like he has little periods of pouting. He pouts. He, he yeah. retreats. He could do that. Sure. Yep. Yep. Well, if you can get him to consider, perhaps, a psychiatric eval, and you ask him, do, do you like being in those states for weeks and months at a time, and that you don't seem to have the ability to pull yourself out of it, so so given that, and again, could there could be if we if we were in my office, I'd be talking to you for two hours because I would want to get all kinds of specifics on how this depression manifests itself. But given all that, there is medication that wouldn't make him gain weight and that wouldn't give him side effects. And if in fact this is some kind of biochemical shift that goes on in his body, if that's the case, the medication would be almost a near miracle drug. I think so. It would. Now, if it's not, if this is a guy who basically can talk himself into being down and he focuses on the ugly and the negative and he interprets it in the worst possible way, then in fact, then it's not biochemical and it's just a, a habit he's gotten. And as he's gotten older, the natural... Well, I'll ask him that. Okay. I'll ask him that. I'll ask him that. Do you... Do you kind of forcibly think darkly and that it changes your mood? I think that's a good question. All right. I'll and ask how much? Him that. And how much does he dwell on it? That's it. That's that's like part of it too. He's really, he's really good about. He's he's very functioning. He's, well, he functions. Very, yeah, he goes to work and he yeah. functions. And but but yeah. but when he gets into his moods, he's kind of unreachable. He just you just sort of leave him alone. It's kind of like he's in his exactly. own world and he doesn't interact. Yes. Ah, yeah. Sure. It's it's a, if I was a different wife, um, there would be big problems. But I love him, and when he's happy, he he's clearly loves me too. Um, well, hopefully, if you can appeal it. From the perspective of, you know, we have so much to offer each other. Mm-hmm. And if you feel helpless when you get into these moods, there may be some things we can do so you can get back to your old self a lot more often. That's right. what I would suggest. I try. I Claire, try Claire thank you, honey. I'm past break. i got to run, but I do appreciate your call. Thank you so very much. This is Dr. Ray. Talk to you in a sec. Dr. Ray has more great advice coming up. Don't go anywhere. And that's a doctor's order. Because I'm a doctor, that's how I know. By providing quality programming faithful to the teachings of the Catholic Church, EWTN Television is TV that viewers can trust. Whether it's films, documentaries, news coverage, lively discussion shows, or kids' programs, we highlight the truth that is the eternal word. For a complete schedule of EWTN television programs, visit EWTN.com and click TV. EWTN is the Global Catholic Network. We can't understand what's going on in America if we don't recognize that America has come under the sway of a false god. America is now controlled by a twisted understanding of freedom. It's my right and I'll do what I want. We were definitely made to exercise freedom, but it's freedom under God. It's freedom to do as we ought, not freedom to do as we wish. We were not created to exercise self-will, self-law, self-rule 
apart from God our Creator. America's emphasis on individual autonomy is an idolatrous distortion, even a replacement of the original American ideal of ordered liberty. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. You're listening to the least worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time. A little bit of Charlie Brown as we're preparing. I remember the first time that little cartoon came out. That's not Charlie Brown? Well, it's Charlie Brown sound like. It's not the Charlie Brown theme. But I remember when that uh, show first came out, it was all exciting. I was a little, I think I was a little kid. And I just thought this is this was probably the biggest cartoon to come along in its in its time. And speaking of the great pumpkin, Tom from Omaha, Nebraska, KVSS Spirit Radio. Hi Tom. Hi. Here's my question. Um yeah, I'm counting on your great wisdom to give me an answer here. Uh, kids- <laughs> well, there you're counting wrong here, but that's okay. I'll let you slide. <laughs> When kids go out trick-or-treating and parties and whatever, uh, you said today they should go as a crayon or something, and I know a lot of parents dress have their kids dress like saints and things, and that's all fine. But if my uh, uh, question is if these kids dress up as these horrid creatures and all that, if this doesn't instill in their mind that these are horrid creatures, that's why they're dressing up in them because they want to be as horrible and as as scary as possible. And so that it isn't really damaging to them. It just fixes in their mind that these things are terrible. What do you say? I think what it does, Tom, is it habituates them to it. In other words, mm. if if that stuff, like, like the example I used with my wife and daughter or sister-in-law, that Tyrannosaurus Rex was horrible biting that guy. But to the kid, it was it was cool. So in other words, I think what happens is, yeah, they want to scare other people with those ugly costumes. But to them, it's not anywhere near as scary as it would otherwise be because it's become so much a part of their life. That ugly mm-hmm. stuff is around them in so many ways. If you, for example, if I go see a movie... Well, the trailers, I look at the trailers and I think, my gosh, one piece of human ugliness after another, after another, after another. It's nothing but violent, vile stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, the, the average audience for this is 16, 16, 16, 15, 14 year olds watching this stuff. Even if they go to see a halfway decent movie, the trailers are awful. So you're right. I think we have succeeded very much in habituating children to ugliness. And to them, 
how you and I would react to this stuff and say, that's just vile. Their view is it's not vile. It's kind of cool, actually. And you can do that. Mm-hmm. You can immerse someone in that kind of stuff. And it's a human defense mechanism. Takes over. You just kind of get to the point where it doesn't bug you at all. It takes more and more and more and more to bug you. So I think you're absolutely correct on that. Okay, well, thanks. Uh, you've changed my mind. <laughs> well, I don't, by great wisdom, right? You said that to great wisdom. Andrew? Great wisdom. Mark that right. down for a bumper in the future. <laughs> Tom said great wisdom, and I didn't even force him to say that. He said it on his own. <laughs> Tom, I appreciate it. You know, you got a great station there in KVSS 102.7. Oh, uh-huh. I know it. I know it. It's a terrific place, a station, right? They've been around They've been around 25 years. Yes, I know. I was one of their first donors and first listeners. Oh, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. You be well, huh? Okay, thanks so much. All righty. Now, I'm rather creative when I go trick-or-treating. Now, I haven't missed trick-or-treating probably in 50-plus years. I always find somebody that has young kids, whether it was my brother who was 15 years younger than me, whether it was my own kids. I milked my own kids for trick-or-treating for a long time. When you take out 10 kids trick-or-treating, do you realize what you bring home? We had a front-end loader brought in the candy and dumped it in the backyard. It was there two years later. We still weren't done with the bottom of that pile. And then the sad part of it is you get the daddy dish. The daddy dish is all the junk candy. That's the stuff that nobody wants. You know, it's the mounds. It's the coconut stuff. It's the hard candy. All the good stuff. The really good things. The caramellos and the Reese's and the Kit Kats. They, they won't trade you for that. So what I use, I call it the daddy tax. I get 14% of everything they bring in because they live there. It's exactly the way it was. My son Pete is right here now. Next to me, he's 26 years old, starting to handle some of my social stuff here because he's figuring, hey, Dad, we got to do something with you before you get too old to even present yourself reasonably well. And I don't want to say I'm old, but my most uh, recent birthday, uh, I was uh, 50 candles on the cake, and that was a piece I had. So just do the math there. But I'm going to do my Thanksgiving well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Thanksgiving, and because you got relatives coming into town that you only see once a year, and you wish it were less than that, so we can talk about that. But we will definitely visit this whole trick or treating thing because there's a lot of folks that simply say I'm not gonna have any part of it. It's ugly. It's awful. It's terrible. It was an old pagan holiday, which in some respects it was, but it was Christianized as the Christians have done with many many pagan things, which was a good thing to do. So, all that said. I got to go. Number for your future reference, of course, is 877-57-EQUAL. And I appreciate very much this company. And Eric Dumont, thank you very much for that uh, that observation. I, I To say I'm shocked is understatement. Walk with God. And if you have kids, hold them tight by the hand because you'll get more candy on Halloween that way. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.